0: getting into this week, Mr. Coy. Well, we could get into all
1: kinds of fun stuff. You know, why don't you, why don't you give us first, you you just had a little adventure down in Miami town for 10X Growth Con with Mr. GC. So uh, give us some quick highlights, you know, some standout moments for you personally and, um, you know, as a whole that you feel like were most impactful for The group, for the tribe, for the community, for the peeps.
0: I had a feeling that was where you were going to go. So I have some notes. Um, I have to tell you, I don't know if you know this about me, but I tried out for The Apprentice two times when it was on the air. Cool. Yeah. And one of the big excitement things about being in Pueblo the last time was the producer of Undercover Billionaire or direct whatever. He also had done some of the seasons of The Apprentice. So when Grant brought out the first guest at the GrowthCon and it was Donald Trump, one of my icons in the business community, I was a bit excited, let's say. Nice. Uh, yeah, so to have two of of my favorite business people in the whole world on the same stage, it was pretty good. And it didn't get, you know, it wasn't about the politics, it was more about business and things like that. So that was my favorite, but I, I, I'll tell you, I sat there and I was probably crying about half the time. Cause I was just so grateful to be in a room with these guys. Like it was, that was pretty fun. Right on. And then there was this man, his name is Jay. There was T T Jakes. He's, um, TD Jakes. Yeah. You know, the who that's your man. Yeah. I know who TD is. I have a feeling more people know about him than I do, but Was he he a
1: terrific dude?
0: (laughs) Oh my God. He was probably- No pun intended. Well, a little bit. I don't understand.
1: Initials, TD, terrific dude.
0: Oh. (laughs)
1: Come on, Bobby, get some coffee in (laughs) you.
0: I know, cheers, I'm trying. Um, Yeah, he was pretty spectacular as, as a speaker, as a motivator. He, I mean- I don't know that I've ever been somewhere where standing ovations were in the middle of someone's talk. No kidding. That's, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Um, one of the cute takeaways I got do not confuse busyness with business. Mm. So, for all of those out there that think that having a big task list but aren't moving towards income or servicing their client, not so good. That Breach. was.
1: Yeah, whoa, whoa. raise the roof right there. <laughs> uh,
0: if I can see the invisible, I can do the impossible. Mm-hmm. That was another one of his quotes. So for me, that that was one of the things I needed to hear because I have my vision, which is invisible. Um, so evidently I'm supposed to get it done, which is what feels like the impossible on some days. Wow.
1: That's powerful. Goes back to an old proverbial statement that says, without vision, people perish. Really? Really? Straight out of that uh, book, I'm sure Mr. TD talked about a few times throughout the course of of his speech there. But yeah, absolutely. We have to have vision inside of us. Uh, If we don't, we're dying. I mean, how profound a statement is that, Bobby? If we don't have vision, We're actually living a slow death and we could, you know, we could encompass purpose around that. We could encompass destiny, whatever words you want to do. But, you know, we talk about certain people being visionaries, right? We can look back throughout history and say, you know, these successful entrepreneurs, they had, they had the vision, right? But they surrounded themselves with more intelligent people, right? For implementation, which is true. But at the same time, i I don't think that exempts the rest of humanity. I think every one of us is called to have a vision, a purpose for our lives. And if we don't, we're spinning the wheel. I mean, you know, let's get let's get straight up raw here. My personality, right? Bob, you can you you can relate, you know, being it, it's just funny. I, I use my kids for an example, right? i've got I've got a toddler who's almost five years old. And little little guy, Axel, who's a little over a year, right? And Just the differences in their personalities and watching them and seeing where is their personality similar to mine, right? And Axel, my son, right, has definitely got that, you know, anything goes adventurous spirit that I grew up with. I grew up in the Wild West, right? I grew up in Wyoming. Um, my dad, you know, when my brother and I were very little, would dra- drag us out sub-zero temperatures to go hunting. Things, things that I didn't carry onto my life, right? I don't enjoy that, but things like fishing, I love it. I love being outdoors. I love being in the isolation where no one else is and just being able to sit there and still and quiet myself. And so I see that that, that little guy has that adventurous spirit as well, right? And I recognize seasons in my life where, let's just put it this way, it was very mundane, and um sometimes that just means you know global circumstances have you trapped inside your house for lengthy periods of time or whatever um because it's winter, not because of that for me okay. because, because it's because it's winter and I'm you know I just I don't care for the cold I grew up in it but I just realize if I'm not cultivating that aspect of my DNA that there's a death inside of me there is um, there's a lack of fulfillment. And so you, you see it, it's so much more than just a hobby or an extracurricular activity. It's really a part of who I am. I have an adventurous spirit. It's part of my DNA to be a pioneer, to be a forerunner, to take risks, even at my own detriment And at times the the detriment of those who are close to me now, it's a little different now, right? Being a family guy, you have to assess the level of risk you want to take, right? Versus, you know, if I was a single guy out there today, it'd still be no holds barred, but it's a different. And so Bobby, if, if I'm not like cultivating that in some way or fashion, there's, there's a death inside, or we, you know, we go through something in our life that I don't want to say distracts but I want to say I want to say use the word diverts diverts us from an intentional purpose driven path that we're on and sometimes we get into this place where we start to wallow in the muck and the mire if you will and so in that muck and that mire there's stagnation right there's doubt there's the questioning of who you are and what your purpose is and so I find for me, right, that in that place, we can go back to whatever phrase you want to use, idleness being the devil's workshop, right? As human beings, I just tell you right now, we're not created to be idle creatures. We are not supposed to be sitting around doing nothing. We're supposed to be constantly moving, creating momentum, whether that's a little bit or a lot, it doesn't matter. And so for me, I found in that place, I just, my thoughts were susceptible. I I felt more susceptible to external temptations, if you will, things that were not in my best interest for my health or well-being. And it took me a long time to recognize that, right? And then to consciously say, okay, I have to get out of this place willfully, meaning as, as much as we want to say we don't have control over external circumstances, and this is true in a lot of ways, we do have control up here right we do have control to what thoughts we're allowing what thoughts we're rejecting and we don't have to stay in that mental place and so it felt good right because again when you're when you're busy when you're in action when you're building creating and momentum let's just be real bobby you don't have a lot of extra time to cater to distractions would you say that's true
0: Oh my goodness! You don't have a lot of
1: time on your hands, right? You're not looking for trouble.
0: <laughs> That's so very true. Oh, you just remind me of a third thing. I'm taking notes because that monologue was pretty. Uh, you hit a couple things that were important to me, but I remember my brother's gone to prison, mm. and we have the same parents. So you would think that we'd have the same values or or whatever if it was just that simple, and the night that he got arrested, that he had gotten in trouble that led him going to prison, he had a shift at work and he didn't show up for shift because he was off in this, you know, bad environment. So I, I love, cause I wrote down the responsibility and control piece you spoke to hmm. in this case, if he had taken the initiative to go to work, right? He wouldn't have been in the trouble. Wow. And I always thought that about that situation because I, you know, I drank, I drugged, I did the things, but I always went to work. I don't know why, but it saved me. I know it saved me. Mm. So I always compared it in that situation. So I love that you called that out. And then it, this whole taking responsibility for our own stuff and control for our own stuff. I just got to, I just got to hang out there for a minute. Uh, no matter that wave. Yeah. So it's something that Grant has taught us, like it's a huge, big part of how we're taught in his world. But what's interesting to me is outside of that world, like I'm taking an intuition class with this man, William White Cloud. He's from South Africa and the UK and total opposite of Grant, right? And he's teaching us about the whole taking responsibility and everything in our life is a choice. Hmm. So it doesn't matter what language it's said. And, you know, I screwed up last year. That's why I'm, I'm struggling to get my momentum back because I chose to live in victimhood mm-hmm. and not take responsibility for everything that was going on around me in the sense of I could have, instead of crying or, or whatever, I could have been working or, um, I didn't have to own everybody else's actions and feelings and behaviors and all the, you know, there was, yeah, there was bad shit that happened last year, but I still could have handled my part differently so that I wouldn't end up where I ended up. Um, so it's and, really and important. We talked
1: about that a little on our last conversation, because I went through that too, didn't I, Bobby? And, yeah. and I talked about how I, you know, dwindled there and in our minds, right. We try and justify it. And let's, I mean, let's be real guys. Again, you, you, you hear the craving and the desire, and it's been that way for years now, the whole, you know, entrepreneurialism, entrepreneur, how cool it is, how catchy, how trendy, but the reality is when you have the ability to create your own schedule and own your own time, that's a huge freaking responsibility. And if you're a guy like me, I don't know about all you other, you know, Uber focused people who just are so perfect at allocating every moment of every hour of the day. But for me, like that's no easy task because I get distracted, right? I'm the creative. I can easily get my attention attention diverted and just say, oh, I've got the time. I can do that later. And you start doing that shizzle. And eventually you're going in 80 different directions like you brought up earlier, Bobby, and you're not owning the fact that you're not really creating something that's building revenue, you know, generating something. It's just that, what did you call The busyness, right? The busyness of being busy.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And the purpose vision part of, of what you were talking about, I never thought of, I, I think about it all the time in entrepreneur land, right? Because my vision, the reason I became an entrepreneur was because I got the vision. So that was a very clear thing for me. And it revolves around my recovery, But when you're talking about it for the normal person, right, we're on LinkedIn, so we're going to probably see a lot more working people, I guess that would be a better language than entrepreneurs, although entrepreneurs live here. Um, But when I was at the grocery store, I always wanted to move forward, right, have a better position, a better title. And it wasn't about income, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. It was actually about I thought that if I was the vice president instead of the fields person, I can influence the decisions that helped my floral managers better, the customers, like I can meet the needs of the calling. You can't do that as a floral manager. You can't change the world in a chain. You can impact who you train and whatever. But it wasn't really until this conversation that I realized I even had purpose in that role, which is interesting. So I would invite anybody who's listening to this to think about you know, what is their purpose or vision? It may be there and they didn't even know it was there. So it's very motivating.
1: It is, Bobby, that's that's really good. And I'll, you know, I'm, I'm probably gonna offend somebody right here now, but, you know, my religious upbringing, right? When I came out of my near-death experience and, you know, nearly lost my life to a drug overdose, you know, my my direction at the time, my desire was to serve, but it was, a, it was to do so through, you know, faith-based ministerial type of background. And, you know, the, the way that ministry is perceived and sadly done in a lot of ways is that, okay, you're now, you know, you're now working for the boss man, you're, you're working for Mr. G.O.D. So Mr. G.O.D. is going to meet all your, all your needs and you're just supposed to pray and, you know, read your Bible and serve others. Okay. Trust God. Now, again, we, I'm not negating any elements of faith because I think I'm thankful for everything that I learned in that journey to have faith, right. To trust a higher power greater than myself. But I also saw the abuse that says, Oh, I'm in ministry or, Oh, I'm a Christian. So you need to pay my bills because I have an outreach. So I'm going to set up a GoFundMe account, or, you know, you just need to give me donations. Is it wrong per se? No. Is it abused all the freaking time? And mm. so for me, it was just like, you know what? I don't, I just, it just never sat well with me, Bobby. It never agreed with me. So for me, it was, okay, this is my full-time gig, if you will. Right. This is my nine to five. However, I don't want to be dependent on other people. Okay. I have the ability. God's given me the ability. Now, did I have any formal training? You know, to work anything specific other than, you know, what I'd done in my early years, which was, you know, landscaping, construction, hotel business for a while. No. But did I have a brain up here? Yes. So I created side hustles, right? I had side businesses going on to supplement my income. And so I think a lot of the times, right, when, when we're looking at this entrepreneurial journey or we're looking to make a transition, it's like, oh, you got to go all in, right? You got to go all in. You got to quit your job and just, you know, whatever, create your digital course, write your digital book and just sell the crap out of it. But that's not always reality. And so I'm grateful that I took responsibility, right, for me and said, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw this off to other people. Now, do we all go through stuff in life where we need some help, right? Yes. But do we stay there? Are we going to live dependent upon others? No. Because ultimately what an entrepreneur is doing is creating a self-sustaining environment, right? Creating personal independence for us so that we can help create independence for others. And by the way, (laughs) since we're here and if you're watching the replay later or whatever, that opportunity is there. I'm part of a great organization, creating an agency like we have openings right now in the financial industry. You can be a part of my team. You can be a part of an amazing team. You can, you can do it as a side hustle and, and sell one of the most needed products on the planet, i.e. life insurance. Or if you love it and you love serving people and you see how much of an opportunity is, you can make it your full-time gig, You know, do an easy six figures in your first year. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm always hearing people making excuses, Bobby, right? Economy's bad right now. Not saying it isn't, right? Um, I lost my job. I just got a referral uh, from a lady I knew through Facebook. Her friend had been a part of an industry for 25 years. Lost her job out of the blue. For whatever reason, she said, I think you need to talk to Caleb. And so she connected us. She came from a service oriented industry, right. Doing loans, things like that. And dude, like she is the perfect fit. And Mm -hmm. so now she has an opportunity, didn't have her insurance license. So apart from getting an insurance license, which isn't all that hard because you know, high school graduate here, no college, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And now she has an opportunity, right. To not only supplement her income, but essentially make a full-time gig or career out of it. So I just, I just love that, right. That I can, that I can say that I can put that out there. If you're just looking for something as a side hustle, reach out to me and I can hook you up. So Bobby, that being said, what do you, what do you think, what's your perception on, you know, some of what I just shared as far as you know, I, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to talk about what you shared with me before we got started, unless you want to go there about, you know, your little transition, totally up to you. But that's a lot of the paradigm that I've seen. Like people say it's it's got to be one or the other, but it doesn't always work that way. There is a transition to entrepreneurship, right? There is a, you know, what am I going to do to supplement my income while I'm building what's in my heart, while I'm building what's in my vision? What are your thoughts on that?
0: So before you ask me if I would, if I was up to sharing that, what I was thinking about with, with this candidate that you're talking about that just came on board with you, I I think of job loss, like when people get laid off or things change, or even when be, people get divorced, I tend to say congratulations. Because hmm. usually it's somebody or something pushing people to make the decisions that maybe they wouldn't have normally made, right? And, and that it opens doors. So I love that. And that's kind of what's happening with what I'm transitioning. To. Um, everybody that knows me knows I love running around the country, driving, well, I guess the world too, since mm-hmm. we did a little of that too. Um, but travel is really important to me and my personal development's hugely important to me. So <laughs> through through life and my journey, one of the people I had worked with out in Kansas city, she actually replaced me. We stay in touch and this um, position within her world kind of opened up and I was like, well, Hey, I can't give up X, Y, and Z, right? Like these things are important to me and had the conversation. And now I'm going to be helping them out in, in a nine to five job role again, right? And there's a lot that comes with that, with what you just said. And most of it comes from ego, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was quitting my my job to go into this space, I, my walking buddy, I'd say to her, well, what's the worst that can happen? Like business is a set of mistakes. You fix the mistakes and then you just keep going or it's problems to solve and you just keep going. And the absolute worst, worst, I get a job. Like since I've been an entrepreneur, I've door dashed, I've worked in a deli, you know, I just do whatever. And, uh, for whatever reason, like I could, I, I found myself doing this cause this all just happened in the last 24 hours. But the few people that I've told, um, I could feel myself not feeling enthusiastic as much as maybe a little bit of shame or disappointment, like going back to a job. Yeah. So thank you for bringing this up because that's just my ego.
1: Thank you for being so vulnerable and transparent, Bobby, because this is exactly what, where I hoped we could go. Cause somebody needs to hear this today.
0: Yeah. And I'm trying to, and this is, you know, part of the mindset work, right. And which, oh, by the way, has to happen every single freaking day. Unfortunately, Um, you know, it's the only way to keep going through the mock and to get to the other side and to, to live our purpose or vision, at least that's my perspective on it. So um, it's been very, because of course, everybody that I tell are cheerleaders, right? Like I called my walking buddy yesterday and, and, you know, telling mom and everybody wants to be supportive. Like, yeah, you got a job. Now, some of it is because they still live in that place of fear. Not that they disbelieve that I'm capable, but they don't understand how to survive without a paycheck or an income, like, like we're used to. So it's not their fault. It, that's from fear and, and habit and all of those things but basically everybody's been very enthusiastic and excited, but I can feel that eh, there's something holding back my complete enthusiasm because it's like, am I a failure? Cause I didn't make it on the first round and I had to go back. And luckily I have people like those or like you, or, you know, I'm in a community where no, it doesn't make me a failure. It's part of the process and I have to one of my biggest beliefs is to talk to myself like I would talk to you, Caleb, or like I would talk to my best friend, right? If, if someone else was feeling some kind of way, I have to remember to have those voices in my head and treat myself with the same kindness and compassion that I would treat anyone else. And that's where the work comes in because it's hard. It's easier to have the negative voices mm. come in, right? So that's why, that's why Bobby, the awesome has to be on the screen to remind me that it's not the negative voices. They don't get to win. So, Did I answer your question, sir? Um,
1: You did. I mean, I just, it's true. The real raw, straight up truth is ego. And I experienced the same thing in right ministry, faith-based community. It's just like, oh, well, you must not have enough faith, Caleb, right? Because you're not getting your needs met. I remember when, (laughs) if I could say the name (laughs) parent, parent of somebody, everybody would know, but I won't. Um, when I was, you know, doing, doing some of that stuff together with, with this person and, you know, setting up some events where this person said to me, you know, Caleb, you just need to start doing honorariums and you need to ask for money up front before you go anywhere because i personally bobby had determined in my heart that if i was in ministry and serving people for the right reasons right that money was not going to be my motivation now did i not only fully understand my personal worth and value at that point in time sure but that's that's not my point here it was that i was going i had made a conscious decision That I was not going to be bought, that I was not going to be motivated to do something right strictly because of that. And I'll just I'll never forget him saying that because and again, I'm not saying that's wrong, but to me, it was the perfect example of that much of ministry today is nothing more than business. It's just glorified business and so there was a price that i paid right suffering that i endured because i wouldn't compromise because i said i'm not going to do things that way but again it was it was a it was a blow to the eagle right cuz we're talking about the mind battles right you're constantly going okay i don't have enough faith right or and again this is this is all i knew this is what you're taught in that arena right and when you're not going to do things the way that other people do them you're going to suffer It's like it's like with anything, right? You've got your inner inner circles, you got your, you know, you got your little click groups or whatever, and you're either in the in or you're in the out, right? And if you're not in agreement with what they're doing, oftentimes you're ostracized, right? You're you're on the outs there. So it was an extraordinary price to pay. It was painful to the ego, but it also made me realize, right, that to be an uncompromising individual you're going to have to exercise, you know, your ability to do things on your own, to get things done. And, you know, entrepreneurship is no easy task and neither is working a nine to to five, neither is the responsibility of being somewhere, someplace at the right time, right. And punching in and putting in the hours, and allowing yourself to co-labor with other human beings that you may not agree with, that you may not get along with, that you may not even freaking like at all. And then there's that, there's that level of submission, right? Where we mm-hmm. say, okay, I've got a boss. I've got somebody else I've got to answer to. And so I, I think there's so much lack of commendation that we need to be commending people more in that arena, instead of just saying, Oh, you know, once you come over into the entrepreneurial arena, right, and you don't have to answer to anybody, then you'll be a cool cat. No, not, not exactly. There's a discipline, there's a responsibility that's learned there, right? Tools that we can take seasons of our life, right? Because we've all been there where things didn't work out as planned. And we had to improvise and go back to doing that. So I just want to say how freaking proud I am of you, Bobby. And, you know, again, that transparency, just like somebody needs to hear that today. So thank you for that.
0: Thanks, Caleb. Yeah, it's, it's not the fun stuff that uh, to talk about, for sure. You made, you made more amazing points, as always. It's interesting, because entrepreneur, <laughs> my views have changed so much on how I was at a 9 to 5 or I call it a W2 job right versus entrepreneurship and one of the things i've noticed about myself and even going a completely different direction but i can accept feedback a lot better as an entrepreneur than i could as an employee mm. as an employee i always thought i like knew better mm. like well if you just did it my way xyz so i don't know if part of my journey has been so i got that lesson like, again, lucky to have a lot of entrepreneur people in my life that could say and know and understand and can reflect back to me the things I can't see in this space. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how those lessons apply when I do go back to W-2, right? Like, cause I'm not gonna be the boss. I'm gonna be a boss, but not the boss.
1: Right.
0: And, um, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be a, a whole other set of gifts and skills that I get out of this, or implementation of what I learned, maybe I'm going back so that I can practice using all the tools I've learned and, in hiring, staffing, teaching, leading in a different way. So that when I do build three, two, one, I now have this skill set and I know what it looks like to help, you know, the people in recovery, the people who are going to be working for me. So it's interesting on that, that journey, but I do have a question for you. Sure.
1: I, I was just going to say, I love that your perspective and frame of mind is there, right? That there's nothing negative about it, that it is a opportunity to learn and grow. So,
0: well, that's everything. Now I might not see it in the moment, even when I'm trying and I'm aware that I should be seeing it in the moment. Like I said, I didn't know I was playing victim last fall to the level I was in my own head. Um, everything is upon reflection as long as I'm paying attention generally. And I totally lost my, where I was going, Oh, I want to know if you had to describe it, I mean, I have a sense of some of the things that you represent, but if if someone asked what's your purpose or what's your vision, Caleb, what would your answer be to that? As long as you're
1: not going to ask me how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Because I can tell (laughs) you affirmatively the world may never know. Great, great (laughs) question, Bobby. Great question. You know, And again, with progressivism, if you will, or this Uh, self-awareness self-education personal growth journey that we're on right we're we're evolving and over time our vision and our purpose evolves right and and I think I said it to you know my wife in the past few days like you know it's hard at times to look in the mirror or pick up old book or old articles that I wrote in the past and go who's this guy? (laughs) Like, did I actually think that way? Did I actually believe that way? Because I have changed and transformed so much, right? So obviously, you know, over over time, our vision, our purpose, as well as our identity, I, I I don't think our identity should just be one thing, you know, that we figure out early in life. I think our identity transforms too over time. And so for me, at the root core, it it, it is the same as what it was, you know, in those early years when I first set out in ministry, it was to love on and to empower and to serve humanity to be the best that they could be, right? That life is too short and too precious to not take advantage of it, right? And so really all those years of of ministry, whether it was helping people with, you know, struggling with addiction or broken relationships or, you know, kids from broken homes or things like that, it really was just a transition into the awareness of what kind of legacy am I building? And so, you know, it's, it's why of, of all the titles again, and you know me well enough to know I I couldn't give a rip about titles, right? There's plenty of people that got bigger, better, badder titles than me and more credentials behind their name. But the one that, you know, that I associate with the most in the midst of all that I'm doing is legacy hero consultant, you know, and essentially that's Mm -hmm. helping people to become heroes of their legacy. And obviously a big part of that is the financial legacy, you know, protecting families from probate, utilizing estate planning tools and living trusts. And then from there, you know, how are we building a long-term legacy so that we have what we need when we retire? You know, so that means life insurance, annuities, investment products, things like that. But at the core, Bobby, you know, ultimately it it's, how are we going to be remembered when we're gone? Right. Because great, you know, I, I'll become a, a billionaire one day. And, you know, I leave all this money to my kids and my grandkids. But if I was a dick, excuse my friends, if I was a prick, you know, and always treated people like crap, treated my family like, like crap right now, am I perfect? God, no. Do I know at my heart core that I'm a good person? And I love my wife and I love my kids. And I love people. Absolutely. Am I fed up with humanity's BS right now in a lot of ways? hundred <laughs> percent. What would you guys expect? This is the raw and real with Caleb and Bobby right here. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're just talking real right now, but at my core, right? My heart is continue to help people build that legacy and say, who am I going to be remembered as when I'm gone? How is my spouse, my kids, my associates, the people that I did lives and podcast with how are they going to remember me you know and so i think bringing that awareness to people right that th- there is there is such a fear in humanity of the unknown right of when is my time coming right when am i going to punch out from this life and then you know what happens after that afterlife all that kind of stuff it just creates tremendous procrastination in people. And, you know, being being in an industry where there hasn't, they're, they're starting to be here, you know, now over the recent years, but prior to that, there wasn't a lot of accessible free education on how they can properly plan and prepare and do that. Um, it's just another reason why people go, you know, I don't wanna have to go pay an attorney to get this information. And I don't know if you and I talked about it or I posted about it. I think it was a post I did recently, but people that would come to my presentations many times would say, thank you, Caleb. We're just so grateful. We've been looking for this information for years. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I remember when one of my clients who, see, he's 94 now, was 90, 90 years old when he and his uh, former daughter-in-law came to my presentation. And said that to me, right? And I remember going to his home, you know, as a follow up and, and sitting down with him and getting him familiar with the software and the system of our estate planning platform. And, you know, first thing he does is he whips out all these documents from a will that he had gone to an attorney to complete. And that attorney, you know, charged him exorbitant hourly fees. And then basically said to him, well, here you go, Don, you'll, you are one of your beneficiaries will be back to see me soon enough. He <laughs> almost like with a smirk on his face. Yeah. Because if you only have a living will and your estate is large enough, meaning you, ha- you own a home or just even a few things, if it's outside the state threshold limit, which typically if you, you own a home and a car, you're already over that guaranteed that your state's going to have to be probated and so this disturbing individual called an attorney right knew he was taking advantage of people his primary purpose was to make more money off of them and essentially them losing 30 to 40 percent of their Holy. estate to probate and taxes guys that's what you're looking at losing if you don't have a properly drafted living trust in place. And that is not worth it. And a number of my clients are those people, Bobby, who would come and tell me, oh, I just had to go through probate with my mom or my dad or this family member. And until they experienced that horrific, public, lengthy, drawn out process for themselves, they had no idea. Right, what, what they were in for and how important it was to start protecting their family legacy through a living trust. And so it's so rewarding and so fulfilling. Um, and it's, it's been my journey right in a lot of different areas of life to, to be a voice for people who are being taken advantage of. And again, that was just another area that I saw a lot of abuse going on. And, you know, from, from the whole ministry dynamic into the financial estate planning and people, people just getting and taking advantage of left and right, especially the elderly, right. Um, You know, not, not knowing. And again, it goes back to, we don't know what we don't know. So my job now, you know, provide a lot of free education tools, resources. You can register at calebkidcoy.com. I'll put it in the chat here, forward slash legacy, 30 seconds I will send you an email with tons of information, full length presentation, video documents on what you can do to protect your legacy, the steps to prepare and everything in my life, Bobby has been, you know, le- leads me back to thinking about that. The things that we don't, we're not prepared for right? a near-death experience, a divorce, all of a sudden, right. You know, the system, the court's telling you when you can or cannot see your own children, you're not prepared for that stuff. And so, preparation is one of the greatest steps, one of the greatest tools that we have to combat procrastination, right? And so if we don't prepare like anything, right? Our health, we wanna get out of trouble. We gotta prepare ahead of time. We gotta take the steps to prevent, right? Prevention. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Definitely prevention instead of reaction. But you know what has been going through my head? And I'm so grateful that there's people like you out there. And I've been exposed to you to even know that this is a problem. Otherwise, I wouldn't know this Mm. was a problem. But as as my simple brain is turned on, I think this is why I don't think about this this way. And I'm hoping you can just clear this up in case there's folks with this view, just the word estate. Estate is a It makes me envision that I have to have a house and all of these things. So I don't feel like I would fall in the bucket to be your client, Caleb. Now, I understand a little more because you've told me a little more. So I know that's not the case, but can you speak to that? Because I am guessing all those normal, I keep using that word normal. I got to get that out of my vocabulary. (laughs) All the folks that are, are coming to you after they go on that, the miserable journey, right? And that miserable journey taking their 30 or 40%, that is a consistent message that I'm hearing in your space. I won't claim to know much about it, but I definitely hear that. And I know that you guys know the laws and how to help people protect what's theirs, I guess is the nicest way to say that. So how do we communicate to the bodies of the world that don't understand it's just a state. I'm thinking of the big hedges and, yep. and marble, you know, like a state that word is screwing you guys and yep. screwing yep. the people.
1: I love it, Bobby. And, and you nailed it because it's this false paradigm dynamic, right? And this goes back to, okay, only, only wealthy people or, you know, upper-class people need a trust or a good estate plan. And essentially, again, if you own anything, that is your estate, right? So essentially everybody has some kind of estate, and this is, I'm so glad you asked this because it's such a passion of mine to find a way to break down this false paradigm to essentially shatter this errant thinking. Right. And, and a part of it is, I think that there's just such an aura of intimidation around estate planning. Um, You know, you hear the word living trust. And you know, I think why the main reason the intimidation is there is because of legal aspects of the aspects of law. And so one of the things that that we recognize in you know all these years and seeing so many people get taken advantage of by attorneys is that we want people to feel comfortable in this process. So we embed our estate planning attorneys into that process meaning their fee is included in the fee to set up your living trust portfolio so you are you don't have to worry about exorbitant additional fees hourly fees where you're going back and asking them questions we've we've been able to compile everything into a space and a digital platform that gives clients 24 7 access through a secure client console so that they are in the driver's seat. They are in control of their estate plan. And so you know helping helping parents to understand right, that there's certain aspects they haven't thought of. And you guys you'll see all of these scenarios in my hero's legacy process presentation on wills, trust and probate. I talk a lot about the pushed in the pool life scenarios, right that we are not ready to get, Pushed in the pool, and I won't share that story again right now at the, at the moment, right? But it's a it's essentially a story about a man who gets pushed in the pool, and the pool's got a gator in it. And so, you know, you you are you know, when you're pushing a pool with with a gator or a croc, you are fighting for your life, right? The quickest thing you're trying to do is how do I get out of this pool? How do I get out of this situation? And so, anytime a crisis occurs in our life, right, immediately we go into that, you know. Uh, Flight mode, survival mode, right? what 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 do I do to get out of this uncomfortable situation? So just realizing that regardless of how much money you do or do not have, that you know your simple possessions become your estate. And if you own just a car, let's say you don't have much money in the bank account, but you do have a home, right? You do have a vehicle. There's a good chance that you are above. That state threshold limit, which is different from state to state, you can just Google it. What you know, what's the estate threshold for Missouri or wherever you are, and um, you can find out what that is. So, breaking that dynamic, as a parent saying, "Okay, if something happens to me or my spouse, right, what are the legal repercussions of guardianship? What does it mean? Oh, my parents really love me, so they put me on." their bank account, a signer of joint tenancy with right of survivorship. But nobody told them that if they go through a divorce, that the ex-spouse can potentially gain access to that bank account that belonged to the parents and the child and cool. bleed them dry. Again, how many, how many people you think thought of that, right? That parents just thought they're doing a good thing. Oh, I'm going to put my child on here. You know, the couple's got a good relationship. They got a few kids at the time. And all of a sudden, you know, they get pushed in the, in the pool. There's right. Whatever happens, infidelity affair. They just don't get along. And one spouse makes an exodus and says, I'm out of here, runs off with the mistress. Life scenarios like people aren't ready for that. And what happens to your kiddos, right? If you have not appointed a legal guardian, and you know, God forbid something you know, tragic happens, car accident or anything like that. So these are those scenarios that we we often don't think about. And being in this industry and niche, if you will, it forces you to think about your mortality. It forces you to think about, you know, tomorrow not being guaranteed. Am I prepared for, you know, the unknown, for the unexpected? And what can I do? And so for the most part, Bobby, we just realized that, you know, people aren't talking about that. So it's not just a matter of, okay, here's a presentation. Okay. Here's the difference between a will and a trust and in a good living trust, the will is, you know, already contained within the trust and those advanced medical directives, healthcare power of attorney. Um, One of the great attributes that we have in our portfolio is once you fill out, those advanced medical directives, right? You talk about things, you know, I I do or do not want to be on life support. I do or do not want to be resuscitated. All those different scenarios. Here's my, you know, medical physician, here's my allergies, you know, here's the things that potentially could hurt me is once you have that filled out, you get a little printable medical card that you carry on your person. And that's got all that information. So if you do get into an accident. If something does happen to you, you know, whoever's on the scene at that moment can utilize that medical card that you carry around in your purse or your wallet, and they can access all that information that could potentially save your life. And so, like little things like that are just so profound in the way, you know, that we can protect our own well being and essentially insulate ourselves from creditors and predators. Because again, probate is a Public process. It is open to anyone out there. They can see what's going on. That person who, you know, maybe had a beef with one of those individuals in the past, or maybe it was a bad business deal that went sour and tens of thousands of dollars were lost. And the person said, ah, you know, we're friends. It is what it is. All of a sudden, they read in the paper, you passed away. All the estates being probated. And they go, you know what? I'm still pretty pissed about all those tens of thousands of dollars I lost from that guy. So all of a sudden they're there at the courts or their attorney calls and says, you know, you 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 your client owed me all this money. And so that attorney has basically got to take the time to fight off that person, which often is, you know, it can't be proven or disproven without a lot of work. And the family's trying to grieve, they're trying to deal with funeral arrangements, they're trying to go through all this process. So oftentimes it's just easier for that attorney to say, well, you know, if I give you 10 grand, will you go away? And the guy says, oh, 10 grand is pretty good day. I'll take it. So avoid public contestation. Avoid, you know, everybody knowing about your business because it's nobody's business. It's your family. It's what you've built. It's the things that you spend your life working so hard to protect, which if you put into a living trust, you're not going to lose 30 to 40%, 99% of that is going to be passed on quickly, seamlessly to your heirs and beneficiaries. You're going to avoid those legal fees. You're going to avoid those taxes and you're going to be able to give your family what you work so hard to create. So I hope that helps. I know was a lot of information there, but you you got me in my vein here. And so I'm rolling with it.
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate you expanding on all of that. It, it helped, it helped me. I learned a couple things from that as well. And it's funny because so often from the parent's perspective, like watching the parents, they're not, I'm going to take us down a different little road here, but it's, they do try to protect their inheritance, you know, for the, for the children or whatever. And they they almost stopped living or spending on themselves to protect the inheritance. So I guess where my brain went was, well, what if they actually worked with someone like you got it organized and that 30, 40% that they would have lost can now contribute to them having their dreams, met, or to be able to play in life a little bit better. Like that to me is what seems obvious.
1: I love it. <laughs> I had to pop the heart up for that one, Bobby. Cause again, that's, that's a hundred percent, and it brings up an excellent point that I talk about in my presentation. Right, that people are living a lot longer, so they're outliving their retirement. They're outliving their savings, and like I just, I don't know. And and no, no offense to to Walmart or or, or you know any of these employers that are employing the elderly, but when I see you know somebody who is in retirement and and looking forward to, you know, enjoying a life, some life of, you know, somewhat comfort, not working, and they have to go back and be a, a, you know, a 75-year-old greeter at Walmart just to pay the bills and make ends meet, that bothers me. It bothers me a lot. Um, now, is it unavoidable at times? Maybe, but it doesn't have to be. And, you know, I watched it with my own grandmother. You know, I remember. Uh, you know, visiting her and in, in the retirement home. and um, you know she she didn't have much of anything because I remember I was asking my mom about it recently, too. you know, why my grandpa, who was a World War II veteran, you know, did they didn't have a trust or or anything, right, Mom? And yeah, well, didn't you know, grandpa being retired military, have some type of pension or retirement? And so I just remember going to visit her because my grandpa had passed away a lot of years before. And it's just hurting my heart to see her in this place, in isolation, um, no more family lived in that town, in that area where she was. And like, I'm going, man, if somebody had helped her set up a trust, create a cash producing life insurance plan or annuity, she could be living wherever she wanted, you Uh, know, In, in comfort, close to family, right? doing instead here she is isolated and alone and her only comfort was eating and she ate so much at you know i think she was right around 90 when she passed that it got to the point where she couldn't even come she couldn't even get on an airplane to come visit us anymore Mm -hmm. and so you know it was strictly a matter of you know we had to go out there and um I don't think she got a lot of family members and visitors. And, you know, I think of course I had to forgive, but in my own heart, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of my, my aunts and my uncles and my dad and going, why didn't you guys do more to prevent this situation? Like you're all the grownups, right? (laughs) And so those personal experiences, Bobby was just like, So eye opening because I'm like, you know, I don't want that to be my own mother. Um, It doesn't have to be, and you know, it was, it was, it was a battle to get, you know, my my own dad to take the necessary steps to to set up a trust. So much to the point that I'd almost given up, you know. And it's just again, there's there's those mindsets, those procrastinations, those fears, whatever it is that that goes on with people not not wanting to confront their own mortality that they don't do that or they put it off till tomorrow and say, you know, I'll just take care of it later. And then all of a sudden, you know, unexpected life happens. They're pushed in the pool and it's too late. I mean, I've gotten those calls too, Bobby with people that came to a presentation or watched my presentation, sent a message or said to me, I need to get this done. I need to get my trust set up. And then I get a call from one of the kids or somebody and they're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm the son or daughter of so-and-so. They attended your presentation. Oh, yeah. Well, they unexpectedly passed away. Can we, can we set something up now and keep them out of probate? And the answer is no, I'm sorry. Now it's, now it's too late. And so again, I, you know, I, I never like to use fear tactics with anyone, but you know, this is where we're all guilty of, we, we, we don't do more, we don't take more steps in every area of life, right? Oftentimes, because some type of fear is inhibiting us or, you know, causing us to procrastinate. So um, if you're, if you're watching this today, that's, you know, that's my heart cry for you that, you know, if this is speaking to you, that you do something about it, that you take action. Um, how different could, the lives of children be if their parents set them up with a cash producing life insurance policy when they were 45, 50. Like people, parents are doing it now, you know, in their thirties or whatever. There's a lot more proactive people out there these days, but, you know, I think of myself and my own brother, you know, how, how could it have been different, right? What if these steps are taken? So again, we, we oftentimes go, you know, well, that's, that's an extra whatever amount it is per month, but we don't realize that, you know, we're building something, and it, it goes back to a, another old proverbial statement that a good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children, and so, you know, legacy is that are we thinking and planning for generations, you know, to come. Um, God forbid if this, you know, world survives that long and the way things are going, it's, it's hard to question what it's going to look like too far in the future, but I'm going, you know, what can I do in my power to, you know, equip my kids, my grandkids, um, so that they're better prepared for the future.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I almost wonder if you're crossing or seeing this gap, when you said the people in their thirties are getting more proactive. And then we think about our grandparents, like, my grandmother worked the town that I'm staying in right now was an old like they made sneakers and rubber like it was a rubber producing town. So because of these companies or I think of Detroit and the car makers right so all of these people had their pensions and their things they might not have even thought about this. That's what just showed up for me was mm-hmm. you're like combating different general, you know, like, like my 17 year old niece has heard the word meditation. When I was 17, I didn't hear that. So I feel like there's all this evolution going on, contributing. Not that that changes anything. It was just an observation I had when you were talking.
1: Well, that's a good point, Bobby. In in addition to that is this technological revolution, right? When um, Gary, the founder of our estate planning platform, started doing this in 1985, you know, near 37 years ago, there was no option, but to find an estate attorney, right. To draft the documents and then, you know, copy that stuff up, get it notarized by a legal notary and then put it in snail mail. So, you know, there weren't even back in the eighties, right. You didn't have the options. And, and obviously, you know, it's no different today. Most people are doing everything in their power to avoid attorneys. And, um, You know, I I remember not having any experience in the American judicial system when I, you know, first went through my divorce, how intimidating that was. And and now how different it is, right? Because I don't fear attorneys, I befriend attorneys, and I actually know a lot more than a lot of attorneys out there, uh, especially when it comes to estate planning and international law. So, you know, again, knowledge is, is very much empowering in that area. Um, like, you know, and if my wife decides, you know, she's done with me and takes me to court, then I'll probably represent myself. I'm I'm now that confident with understanding of law, God forbid that never happens. But again, right. It's just, I'm I'm not going to go into the whole law conversation because this is, you know, another two or three hour discussion, but, um, you know that that lawyer that attorney who you are paying to represent you is actually bound by law to represent the court okay so they they are representing the court and the judge and so that's why you know things don't always go as planned and when when you understand what you're dealing with and you understand the system when you know what you need to know in, in accordance with law it's it's really really empowering so again because of the digital revolution bobby it's so much easier and we've made it so much more accessible for people to do what they need to do to protect their estate plan. And, um, one of the, one of the new features that we've got, we just, um, finally updated, uh, the website recently. And I've been talking to Gary about this for years. I said, dude, we need to get your wealth of, of knowledge, you know, in estate planning out there to the world. And so, um, right, right from that homepage there, a lot of the articles and information that he's written over the years are right there on the homepage. And it's just like, I love it. Right. I mean, you're giving people information that again, you know, they were paying out the wazoo to get before. And, and now, you know, they can educate themselves up front they can plan, they can prepare. You know, one of the features we have is, you know, our try before you buy it, it gives you 72 hour access to our console and platform. So you can, you know, go in there and see exactly what it is. And, you know, I, I tend to do peop- this for people anyway. And, you know, we recorded videos. Actually, Gary and I did a walkthrough just like if you were a new client. So you see exactly the process that you're going through. Because again, we don't, we don't want people feeling intimidated. We don't want them feeling like someone is in control of their estate. And that's what it's been in the past, right? Attorneys want to control it or they want to see people go through probate because a probate attorney is, I mean, that's where they make their money.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: one of the main attorneys that's now on our platform that I work with was formerly a probate attorney. And so after years of probating people's and families' estates, she like just didn't have the stomach for it anymore. And she found us, found our platform and said, holy Toledo, Batman, this is a group of people that are rescuing people from probate. I want to be a part of that. I mean, how cool is that? A former probate attorney is now one of our estate planning attorneys. And so it just, it goes without saying, you know, that it's a a ruthless and a brutal process that can be avoided. You know, one of my slogans is the only thing worse than the pain of procrastination is the agony of regret. And um, you know, once it's too late, it's it's too late. And we we look at, you know, cost up front or or things like that instead of the bigger long-term picture, you know, and that and that's legacy, right? The the investments that we're making now in ourselves, in our families, in our kids, in our finances, in our business are what are building that future legacy. So
0: thank you, Caleb. You went, you went deep. I love it. We did. I do have a question. Since we are due to that technological stuff, we're everywhere. So can you help people in other countries? You mentioned international law, but if somebody from a different country or even here in North America, um, I imagine it varies place to place. So can you help people everywhere?
1: Great question, Bobby. And the answer is no, we cannot. The, the laws in the United States, um, and the legal codification, we, we default to Nevada trust law, meaning that all of our documentation, which are, you know, automated based on the information that the client puts into the system defaults to Nevada trust law, which has the most powerful trust protections in the country. They're the most proactive um, state when it comes to trust laws. And so unfortunately You know, it's, it's something um, that I've talked about with other associates and advisors. Like I would love to be able to translate what we have into Portuguese and, you know, utilize it in Brazil where my wife's from, but it is, it is a very huge task because the laws are all different there. So unfortunately it doesn't, it doesn't even work uh, for our Canadian pals. So we're strictly, strictly set to working with, you know, U S citizens through, throughout the 50 states, but great question.
0: I had a feeling that was going to be your answer and that's okay. I just wanted some clarity. And then I, I want you to repeat that quote you said, because this is another place my brain went when you were talking. I hadn't really thought of, aside from the fact that I could be your client, because I'm going to have a legacy and I'm going to be a billionaire someday, just like you. And I don't have kids. So mine's going to be interesting, right? Like where I, I put on my stuff, but the synergy that I thought was in that last quote that you said in our belief system. So can you say that again about procrastination and regret?
1: Sure. So the only thing worse than the pain of procrastination is the agony of regret.
0: So that's my whole message, right? Like that's part of everything I stand for is work, play, live. Like, we should be we should be playing we should be roaming around the country we should be going on retreats with people we don't know we should be having conversations in live podcasts with people we've only met in person once or twice you know um so I really love that because it captures it captures it and and that would I guess be one of the things I want everybody to hear today from this conversation as well as like just live freaking life. People. What are you waiting for? Like, don't have it be your kids calling Caleb. Like, just, just do it. Like, go have fun, get this stuff out of the way. Um, I think for me, I don't like dealing with paperwork would be my hang up, you know, like not because I was like, would it bother me to do this and think about my mortality? And the reason my, it it wouldn't bother me that way is because if I died tomorrow, I know I've lived each day to its fullest. I'm doing what I want to do when I want to do who I want to do it with. I mean, granted, there's been, you know, there's a little bit of obstacles and stuff, but when it comes down to it, I go where I want to go and do what I want to do. And and that's, you know, not the agony of regret. So I just, I just had to call that out.
1: No, I, I, what a great way to close up the conversation, Bobby, you know, and it reminds me because I said it to a family member recently who, um, you know, basically put on hold a trip because of gas prices. And, you know, I was just very, I was very blunt and straightforward with them. And I said, you know, there's a good chance that things will get worse before they get better. And, you know, gas prices could continue to increase the question you have to ask yourself Is am I going to stop living my life? Am I going to let fear, gas prices, economic duress dictate to me? Because I think for so many people, you know, and sadly we've we've seen it over the you know recent couple of years here, Bobby, and the reason that suicide rates are up and the mental trauma and stress when people go into survival mode. And they stop living their lives, you know, for whatever reason, out of fear of whatever you you think it is or isn't. doesn't matter at the end of the day. And it's something that personally I had determined many, many years ago, and many, many years before things unraveled, you know, having having an idea that things would unravel at this degree, I said, no matter what, Caleb, you are not going to stop living your life. You're not going to stop, you know, making the most out of it. So I I just love that you said that, Bob, because there, there is that balance and right. You know, I understand, we understand Bobby and I understand there's, you know, there's limitations, but you know, the, the correlation between the, the limitations in your checkbook and in your mind, you know, are really the things that you have to overcome first, because I just, if i could give you the list of family members bobby who i know right now are going to have re- deathbed regrets it's it's pretty big mm-hmm. and you know it's again because they've expressed or i've heard them say the things that they want to be doing that they wish they had been doing i wish i had taken this trip and every year they say it and every year they don't do anything about it but I also realize, right, that that's an individual battle, and that's a choice that each and every one of us makes. And I'm glad that you and I have decided we're we're not going to live our lives like that, Bobby.
0: You know, I, I don't know if I told you this when I was down in Florida if I had met him or not already. Did I tell you about the four um, that there was two couples? They had to be in their 80s. Had to be. I don't no, have a I don't good think so. Well, in the hotel because it's a 10x event pretty much everybody talks to everybody, right? Like, Oh, are you 10 X? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. So there's this table of, uh, it started with one guy and a wife and then the second couple. And, uh, they're just sitting there having wine and I went over and I'm, Hey, are you guys 10 X too? No. And they had accents and we played the game about where I try to figure out where they're from. And, um, of course they're from south africa which was really interesting and i was mad at myself for not guessing because i was taking williams class and i was like i should recognize the south african but anyway um what they were they weren't 10x what they were doing and like i said picture this they're in their 80s i got a cough real quick they're like no um we're here because we leave on a cruise out of miami and i was like really so they had flown from south africa through Dubai, over to Miami, like 20 something hours worth of flights. They were going on a 16 day cruise that took them to Rome. And, and remember I said earlier in the show, I say congratulations to people. And I really genuinely congratulated them because I was like, good for you. I was like, you are not living through fear. You are just doing it. I was so excited because, you know, it's easy for us to talk in our 40s maybe, but for these people who have legit fears and and maybe the clock is, is running a little quicker than ours are. It was like, I was so proud of them. <laughs> I was just so excited and so proud of them. And people just need to do that.
1: hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So, okay. I'm done.
1: No, that's it. What a great story to finish up with Bobby that that's inspiring. And, you know, I hope we can, should we all be, be, be graced with, you know, life to live that long that we, we do get to enjoy it. Cause I know for me, right. There's, there's a lot of the world that I have yet to see and, you know, things that I have yet to do. Um, and, you know, recognizing and being aware that are, there are certain limitations, but not allowing those limitations to hold me back or you know, continue to move forward so that ultimately I can shatter those, those limitations and, you know, have, have everything that I want out of life for me, for my family and for, you know, the people that want that for themselves too. So thanks for taking this time today with me, Bobby. It's been really rich.
0: I got one more thing, Caleb. You bet. You just keep triggering thoughts. I'm sorry. Good. So, if I had to declare myself a religion, I would have said atheist the first 40 years of my life, okay? So I don't know much about it, any of that. But now on my my journey, recovery and entrepreneurship, I found spirituality in whatever form that looks like. And I, I'm throwing this out there because I would invite people who do have a relationship with, with their gods, whoever their gods are, right, or faith in any concept, would would their God want them to not live their lives? Hmm. Or is their faith strong enough to believe that if, if they do take a cruise now, just only two years out of COVID, that their God would keep them safe, or their God would take them, or their God would do whatever their God, like, is the faith strong enough to believe that their God wants them to live holy, and that their time is their time, whether they're hibernating in their little house, or they're, taking the $5 a gallon road trip, you know what I mean? And, and coming from the place of no faith for so long, I don't understand how people choose when to have faith. Like it's almost at their convenience and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be offensive, but, but it's a different way to think of it, right? It, your God's going to take you when your God's going to take you. Isn't that what God believing people think?
1: I think it's a, it's a great point, Bobby, that, you know, for a lot of people, faith is convenient or, you know, people don't bother to pray until they're in dire straits, or in a desperate situation, right? And I guess, I guess for me, you know, all religion aside, faith is just foundational, I think an elemental into, you know, the human DNA. And we need to have great faith in ourselves. I mean, you know, how, how can we really have faith in in anything or anyone else, if we don't, you know, believe in ourselves. And I I think it's, it's just a great point that you bring up there, you know, are, are we living consistently from that place? Um, Because, because I know for me, and uh, probably, probably future co-authored book with my wife and I coming soon on this, but, you know, the the amount of hypocrisy that I witnessed growing up preacher's kid. And then in all my years of, you know, quote, unquote, full-time ministry, whatever you want to call it, was, you know, just astronomical. And again, another thing that I had determined early on in my life is that, you know, if I'm going to go around teaching or preaching anything, I want to be living it to the best of my ability as imperfect, you know, a person as I am, I do not want to be a hypocrite. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of the things that I don't necessarily talk about, teach about, preach about anymore is right. I've had my own faith transformation going on. Right. And so I just, I don't know, I, for me, Bobby, I, I don't get the concept of, of someone trying to teach or preach anything that they don't wholeheartedly believe in that they don't live, that they don't have conviction. I mean, the things that I talk about, you know, this for you, you understand this goes without saying, right. I have conviction about it.
0: I'm passionate
1: about it. I I'm not going to waste my time on topics that are are mundane to me or that are not empowering or bettering humanity. I just, I refuse to do that. To me, it's an irresponsible waste of time. And um, I'm somebody who's, who's, we all could be doing more, right? Trying harder. Um, But I've squandered time. I know what it feels like to squander time. I still have to, you know, battle squandering time. Again, this goes back to the beginning, right? The, the, the responsibility of entrepreneurship, Um, you know, even, even when we don't feel like it, even when it's not convenient, you know, are we, are we being responsible with our time? Because that is, to me is the most precious commodity that we've been given and it's the most limited one and like once it's gone it's gone like it's over like there's no do over in, in in my opinion right i mean this is it you've got one life you got one opportunity to make the most of it like so you know get on get on my face and ask for forgiveness for whatever but that was yesterday's news right today's a brand new day like 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 you and I were we we've got conflicting schedules and stuff going on but we're making it happen aren't we we like, sure are minute, we made this amazing conversation happen which to me is just full of of edifying richness and information for people to take and run with it but but you've said it Bobby more than anything what we want you guys to get out of today is that this is the opportune moment right now? You know, for, forget about yesterday. I didn't do it yesterday. I regret not. Put, forget about it. It's gone. Just do it now. Take the steps today. Start living. Start giving. Start serving. Start showing up more. Like, I love that about entrepreneurship, Bobby. Right? It's it's never too late. You're never too old um, to make it happen. And I, I always quote Napoleon Hill's, you know, author of Think and Grow Rich and his writings. You know, he said it all of his years of studying successful people and different individuals, he said that I found that most people did some of their greatest work between the ages of 40 plus and 60 over. So in my opinion, where we're at, Bobby, we're in the ripeness of the beginning of our journey in our, in our ability to, you know, then we could go on and on about people who didn't find their stride or success until their fifties or sixties or seventies. So, I'll say this. Then you're going to say goodbye and close this out, Bobby. Everything that you need to be successful, happy, and ultimately an overcomer in this life is already resident within you.
0: Love it. Couldn't agree more. Caleb, thanks again. This has been wonderful and we'll figure out how to do it again next week, guys. We just will. Thanks for everything.
1: Thanks guys. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you again soon.